Look, I'm not going to discuss my private life with total strangers. Hey! We're recording the podcast! Shut up! Good morning to you wherever you are because it is a morning somewhere for February 19th, 2024. My name is Bernie Burns. Sitting right over there, looking me dead in the eye. It's the new revised lead in Madam Web. Say hi to <laughs> Ashley. Look, I'm not watching the film as a form of self-care. <laughs> so you're, you, that's not monotone enough. <laughs> you can try sorry. again. Okay. <clears throat> I've decided not to watch the film <laughs> out of uh, it's a it's self-care. So we're talking about Madam Web. Uh, there's there's a, a rumor, an accusation flying around the internet. That Madam Web has now pivoted their marketing after how they do at the box office this weekend? Thirteen million. Thirteen million. It's a for those of you who aren't familiar, Madam Web uh, is a spider person movie about people who can see the future. From what <laughs> I haven't seen anything about this movie, but just like picking up from osmosis, it's all about them being able to see the future. Is that the whole thing? Uh, I know that based on the trailer, that Dakota Johnson's character. The Madam Web herself is, uh, she, yeah, she's like someone, he's trying to kill you. And she, then she says, I can see the future. And so apparently that's, that's what I know about the movie. So the theory now <laughs> is that Sony is pivoting the marketing and now focusing on Sydney Sweeney as being the lead of the movie, even though Dakota Johnson up until release was the clear lead of the movie. And that they're leaning more heavily into the marketing for Sydney Sweeney. Yes. Which, um, given every interview that I've seen with Dakota Johnson about this movie, th- that feels completely justified that Sony would do that to me. Well, because Dakota Johnson why would you seems, want to put her on mic talking about this movie? Right. She seems completely disinterested in the movie. Yep. And uh, to the point where she's, she, it seems like she started distancing herself from it even before it released. Oh, uh, uh, it's my favorite trait in entertainment. Yeah. yeah. So um, just to correct myself a little bit, um, globally with its six-day box office opening, it ha- did $25.8 million. So I'm going to look up if that $13 million was domestic or whether that was the like a three-day. Yep, $17.6 million during the typical three-day opening weekend. So it's, it's not a lot. It's not a lot, Bernie. Where does that put it in terms of not Marvel movies? The Marvels, yes, is so far the the lowest MCU film. It released uh, with a lower box office take than Hulk, uh, to give you some indication. But to put uh, put to put the Madam Web uh, premiere into perspective, um, for its opening weekend, if we're counting it as a seventeen point six million three day opening weekend, um, it's well, Morbius did thirty nine million, and Morbius. Remember, it tanked. It memed super duper hard. And Sony went, uh, oh, people love this film, brought it back to theaters, and then it tanked again because that's not how the internet works. So I'm looking up now what the Marvels did on opening weekend. And uh, the search engine that I use, it gives me a little box summary now, which is supposed to be, I guess, the AI stripping everything and telling me what it is. Uh, and it told me that it made $47 million. What I have found is this summary box is almost always wrong. And I just say feedback. You can, actually, I go thumbs down. That's, <laughs> gotcha. That'll, that'll keep the AI revolution at bay. Take that, Terminators. Thumbs down. <laughs> uh, that sounds like I'm actually looking that up to see just how wrong this AI chatbot is. But uh, oh, so I'm I am mistaken. Uh, it looks like the Marvels did barely surpass the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, the from 2008. 
While we're talking about Marvel, really quickly, uh, I want to give a shout out to Sweat Salamander 795. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, <laughs> Gold Star, uh, uh, they figured out that Ghost Rider had the lowest rating of any franchise or property, lower than Fantastic Four at least. Now, uh, we, in we terms be, of Rotten Tomatoes reception, right? We got to be careful here because when you say franchise, does it mean like one continuous effort? Because there's three Fantastic Four movies. And no, we're not going to talk about Fantastic Four, although I did discover something pretty interesting. Um, I think you should complete the trilogy. <laughs> so Fantastic Four, there's two iterations of like the Jessica Alba era, Chris Evans era. Then there's the one with Miles Teller and Michael B. Jordan. So it's the same property, but kind of different franchises, if that makes sense. Right. So unless they pull a Spider-Man, they're separate franchises. Yeah, we're talking about the overall property, though. And I even left out the uh, one from the 90s, which we'll talk about in a second. But Fantastic Four has about a 25% of Rotten Tomatoes. Ghost Rider, across two movies, has a 23%. Can I tell you what treatment of Ghost Rider I actually really enjoyed? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the comics from 1978. Was yeah. that the best one? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I never show. saw it. Yeah. He's, he's in that, and, and I actually think they, they did a lot with him. Did they revive uh, 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 Agent Mulder for that? What's his name? <laughs> the guy from, <laughs> what is his name? Um, You're not going to be able to think of it now. David Duchovny? No, no, no. The guy from Avengers who dies, spoiler from a movie 12 years ago. Coulson? Coulson, that's the guy. He's like the lead of that series. Is he? Yeah, because he was on there. I don't know if it was flashbacks or what, though. I never watched the show. No, he's uh, he's like the series lead, and it's like he died, and Fury brought him back, uh, and he... But, like, they can't tell the heroes, and so he's, like, running this, like, underground sort of team. But then there's a bunch of characters from the MCU that pop up, like... uh, Who's the, um, who's the... I like that you acted incredulous when I asked you that question. It's going, he's the lead. Like, it's more believable that they brought him back to life. <laughs> like, that's more acceptable in some way. Uh, I'm sorry, comic books. Yeah, right. They just opened a dimensional portal and he came from another multiverse where he was like Butcher Coulson. <laughs> and then they just trained him inherently how to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what season that sort of stuff starts to happen in. But I, uh, when we were talking about Fantastic Four... As movie adaptations, I said the three that were in the modern era, and I left out the one, the Roger Corman one from the 90s. And I, I even thought to myself, how come I never saw that? Because I would have been interested in that. Turns out that was never released. And it's got a wild story. And, I, and I, I'll link the Wikipedia article uh, in the link dump. I'll just read this here. A 1993 magazine article gave a tentative release of Labor Day weekend 1993. During that summer, trailers ran in theaters. The cast members hired a publicist at their own expense to help promote the film at a clip screening at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles and at San Diego Comic-Con, and the film appeared as a cover story on an issue of Film Threat. It was a huge film, independent film magazine at the time. By this time, the world premiere was announced to take place at the Mall of America in Minnesota on January 19th, 1994, with proceeds from the events going to charity. Suddenly, the premiere was halted, the actors received a cease and desist order on all promotion from the producers and the studio confiscated the negatives. And then it goes on from there to say, what? essentially it was a ploy to make the movie for about a million dollars. And it was just so they could retain the rights of the character. And later in 2005, Stanley confirmed that's what it was and that nobody was supposed to see the movie ever. Wow. But it's so weird. Like the actors took over the movie. They took over the release and the premiere of the movie. And yeah, started doing it themselves. Wow. Did, did one of them just have a copy? Did they just have a reel and go, all right, 
we got a reel. Let's do our own premiere. Yeah. But with to me, blackjack and hookers <laughs> and Mall of America <laughs> and a roller coaster <laughs> indoors. It's amazing. <laughs> and a Spencer's. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, it ties into so many things right now because people are having a fucking heyday making fun of Madam Web. It's I don't not, know what you're talking about. I definitely did not make fun of it in the last 10 minutes. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's not really making a lot of money. It looks like it's going to be a bomb, looking that way at least, especially when your lead actress is like distancing herself during <laughs> opening weekend. She's distancing herself from the movie. You see stuff like here goes all the way back to 1994. There were completed superhero films that weren't released when Warner's decided to not release Batgirl when it was complete. People were like, you can't do that. Why, you, this is a completed movie. You have to put it out. And they're like, no, we don't. We don't like it. It's bad or it's a tax write-off. It's more financially responsible to not put it out. So we're not doing that. People are like, that's that. You can't. You can't do that. Then Madam Web comes out and everyone's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Sony, maybe you could have taken this one for a tax write-off. <laughs> I brought all these rotten vegetables. What am I going to do with them now? <laughs> I wonder, too, if it'll ever leak its way out. I don't know. I'm actually, I, I always wonder that about uh, this Coyote versus Acme, because now apparently they did a bunch of screenings for people, and I'm like, just somebody just take it. Put it out there. Uh, so there's there's the 1994 Fantastic Four that didn't come out. That was made as a write-off. There was the Superman. That was around the same time, right? That uh, that was canceled like two weeks into production. That ties into a lot of stuff too because, uh, first of all, Nick Cage was that Superman, right? Yes. And it was supposed to go into production. They, they never went. They went all the way through like, pre-production, which is a shitload of work. It was a Tim Burton movie. It was Nicolas Cage as Superman. And it was one of the sore spots for a lot of people when Flash came out. Because Tim Burton came forward and said, look, they put Michael Keaton as Batman in Flash. Spoiler if you haven't seen Flash. Sorry. They put Michael Keaton as Batman in Flash. Which I think people were happy about because he was supposed to be in Batgirl. And then they didn't get to see that. Um, or maybe it was a rumor that he was going to be Batgirl, but it was really he was going to be in Flash. Either way, people were happy to see it. And even Tim Burton said, these are movies I made. They paid for them. They want to put in another movie and people want to go and act as Batman from that era. You know, basically go with God. I'm paraphrasing here. But he was really upset about the Nicolas Cage appearing as Superman in that because it's like, oh, ha ha. There's this funny universe where this movie exists. He's like, fuck you, man. I, I, you know, I spent a long time working on that and put a lot of effort into it. And then they canned it. But now they get to come back and say, it's like, Oh, it's part of the mythos, you know, and that we get to pretend like there's this alternate universe where it exists. It's like, that sucks. And it does. It really does suck. Yeah. From a creator standpoint, I can see how that would feel like um, not maybe not as well intentioned as a Batman appearance. Yeah. Although I think a lot of people are in the same boat. It's like, I remember at the time too, people could not imagine Nicolas Cage, man, that's a tough sell. The um the leaked screenshots like the there's a costume test or something like that um and what I've seen from it honestly yeah it it doesn't look great <laughs> well those by the way those never look good those are always like Polaroids in a trailer it always looks like some like proof of life from a hostage <laughs> crisis you know <laughs> so that's what that looks like always in fact I just saw there was uh 
Somebody posted a bunch of Polaroids from the uh, Clueless cast in all their different looks. You know, the makeup crew will do that. Or they used to back in the day, they would have Polaroids. Well, because it's, it's how they would track them and try to keep them consistent, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, especially like where blood is and things like that. We just saw Argyle and there's a scene with oil. <laughs> You're probably not going to see the movie, but there's a scene with oil, like crude oil. And she gets a little bit on her face in like two places, but it's just on the edge of it's her very, face. It's very artfully done, just like <laughs> down the jawline. But it's somebody's job to make sure that that is consistent across like eight days of shooting, you know, after they have that, you know. And if you shoot uh, asynchronously, like if there's a location that you have for, you know, different parts of the movie, you have to shoot the day two stuff here, the day 12 stuff here, the day 28 stuff here. Um, it's cool to sing costumes because they, so they, don't, always, they, they always have to match go, that stuff. Yeah. The costumes are fun because they don't go, they don't, you know, just go through and systematically destroy the costume as they're shooting to make it more disheveled. There's like a rack of costumes for like with each, with the progress. Yeah. Of, like battle damage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so they're like, all right, we need, we need suit three. Cause we're not to that point yet. And then at the end of that, all those like destroyed suits, they have an executive suit who comes in, puts it on, and goes, "It's canceled. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, not coming out." Man, that's rough. Yeah, but it is funny to me though. It's like here's here's your chance, audience, to like they put out a movie that was clearly no one was excited about, nobody wanted to see, and the audience isn't rushing to support the artists, right? Even the, even the artists aren't supporting the artists in the movie. You know, they're they're just like. Oh, well, it's shitty. You know, it kind of makes it hard to hold Warner's feet to the fire for not releasing Bad Girl. You know, it does make that a little bit harder, it but does. I will still do so because I wanted to see Coyote versus Acme, even though I never heard about it until it got canceled. Yeah. And I, I, I don't honestly, I don't know how they track this stuff, but they know it's like not going to make enough and it's better to just tank the whole thing to me. Call me crazy. That all the expense they're putting into promoting Madam Web is also then part of the write-off, right? That goes into it. I don't know, actually. I mean, I would assume so, that because they've, you know, they've got people tracking every single expense. So every ad impression, every billboard, every mm -hmm. trailer placement, whatever it is. I mean, they pay for those. And if they don't make money off the film, then all of it, it together is the loss, right? Because they invested in marketing that didn't yeah. they didn't make the money back on it yeah they balance it and sometimes by huge multipliers because it's hollywood accountants they have shown that i think it's return of the jedi famously has never turned a profit that's got to be <laughs> just statistically impossible i want to i almost want to shake that accountant's hand because they're they're a superhero or a super villain i guess as the case may be because they are making numbers do things that numbers are not meant to do there was a there was a funny story not that long ago where um, Sony uh, no not Sony maybe it was Sony uh, sent um, they were sending Tom Holland uh, basically his bonus check for Spider Man it went to an actor named Tom Hollander oh I heard about this and he was like <laughs> he was like I got the wrong check boy that was a lot of money that's so many zeros I thought that was weird for him to say that it was but it's especially, like, for, especially for a young guy. You know, because this was an older guy that got the check. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seemed weird to call out specifically the money that he was making, you know, for a clerical error. I guess. But it was also just like, if you got that check in the mail, would you not be like, holy moly, look at this to someone? And then it could just very easily get out from there. Yeah. Here's an article from The Atlantic. We'll put in the link to how Hollywood accounting, I say auctioning, how Hollywood accounting can make a $450 million movie 
unprofitable. And they're talking about Return of the Jedi in particular, which ranks 15th in the U.S. box office history, still has no technical profits to distribute. I wonder if it has, if it's anything like, uh, you know, do you remember the story about Toys R Us? So Toys R Us was a big chain in the U.S. Go ahead. And from what I understand, it was acquired, saddled with a bunch of debt from the company acquiring it. But uh, it could be, you know, that kind of accounting where you just like you take something and you saddle it with debt from another thing. And, yep. then it, and then it can't make a profit. There's some weird stuff that's going on right now in the uh, uh, commercial market uh, real estate world. Uh, there's a lot of warnings that are starting to take place. Like a lot of people are starting to fuss about it. Bloomberg just put out a story that it's now the third biggest concern behind war and global inflation for the markets. And this is the first time we've heard about like commercial real estate, specifically office space because of the work from home revolution has been going through a lot of turmoil, but now there's like concerns about what it's going to do to the credit market and everything else. And how that might, the dominoes may fall out from there. And this is not financial advice. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anything else to talk about on this lovely Monday, Ashley? Um, Just something to keep an eye out. Uh, Reddit is working towards its IPO, which I think was rumored to be as early as next month. Uh, They've also just announced that they have signed a licensing deal with with an AI company to train uh, AI on Reddit content. uh, How's that going to be received? Uh, I have no idea, but it's one of those things where um, received well or not, which uh, the, the deal is apparently worth about $60 million on an annualized basis, uh, is probably covered under their terms of service. So people may not like it, but anyone who has created or put content on Reddit isn't legally going to be able to do much about it. Do you remember Meta put out uh, an image generation AI and they trained it on Instagram? Yep. And everyone said, you can't do that. And they said, actually, we can. Actually, we can. That was covered in the terms. And here we go. And hey, why don't you go put some more of those uh, disclaimers in your top comment of like, I hereby revoke Meta's (laughs) rights to use my stuff. (laughs) Now you sound like my dad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, a lot of people, you'll see that on Facebook a lot where people will do that. That doesn't work. That doesn't take away the terms and conditions that you clicked yes to and nobody reads. Nobody bothered with that. Did you ever hear the story about the... uh, the developer who put a thing in their terms and conditions that said, if you read this, we'll send you a hundred bucks. And one guy did. And a guy claimed it. Was it a hundred bucks? It was, no, it was a lot more than that, I think. Was it maybe 10,000 or something? It was, it was quite a lot. And one guy claimed it. And they years were like, later, ah, years guy. later. Yeah. It did. It took a long time before yeah. anyone did. The guy wrote him and said, hey, can I still get this $10,000 for reading this? I go, you're the guy. Yep. You get it. Here you go. And they sent him the check. And he was the first person to ever read all the way through the licensing agreement <laughs> and found so, it. So read those terms. Or, do, or here's or here's don't. here's another one. A software company. I think this is the one we're actually talking about. Buried a thousand dollar prize deep in its terms of That's service to was, see yeah. if anyone actually read them. Um, it took five months and over three thousand sales before someone asked them. So our numbers were off, but in spirit, we were pretty accurate with that. I think. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us on a factually incorrect but spiritually accurate Monday. <laughs> we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. We hope you'll be here as well. Bye, everybody. <laughs>